A farmer's time is valuable. That's why Blaine's Farm and Fleet has made shopping for your must-haves quick and easy. Simply order online at farmandfleet.com and pick up your items in just one hour in their convenient drive-thru. Or try Farm and Fleet's same-day local delivery option. It's like having family in the IT biz. It's Wisconsin's most complete farm show. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Yonke. It has been a year since the Dairy Innovation Hub was created, thanks in part to $7.8 million of Wisconsin money going towards not producing more milk, but producing better markets for our milk. What does that first annual report look like? Maria Walt, program manager for the Dairy Innovation Hub, shares some insights with us this morning. We're also talking about six of our Wisconsin federal lawmakers that have received the Friend of Farm Bureau Award and cybersecurity. It's not something you think about necessarily when it comes to your farm records, but you should. Those are just a couple of the topics that we're bringing your way on a Tuesday. I'm P.M. Yankee, so glad you're along with us. So for today... A little bit more sunshine maybe than we saw at times yesterday. 65 are expected high. Tonight will drop down to 42. Tomorrow, a lot of clouds, but 69, so a little warmer. Thursday is when you're going to get a little shock to your system. Probably the day that we'll experience our uh, frost-free situation. 49, our daytime high on Thursday. And uh, overnight, Thursday into Friday, not much better than 31 degrees. So we've got to bear that in mind if you still have sensitive plants that are in the great outdoors. We'll talk weather coming up in just a little bit. Compier Financial has always been there for our clients and communities in any situation. And our support continues today. Whether it's providing financial services to our local farmers or responding to the funding needs of our community partners, we're here to help. To learn more, give us a call at 844-426-6733 or visit Compeer.com today. Compeer Financial ACA is an equal credit opportunity lender and provider. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. We've been hearing a lot of stories about coronavirus relief packages, and a lot of that focuses on what's happening with our food banks. From the western end of the world's longest barn in La Crosse, I'm Caitlin Riley, and we've seen the push from top to bottom. We've seen producers who decided to redistribute their products directly into food banks to help families who may be down on their luck right now in the pandemic. And we've also seen the government funnel some money in But there's been some rumors, Pam, about what's going on. Is that money going where it needs to go? And how is this going to help people in need? Right. Fabulous Farm Bay Pam Yankee at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. You're right, Caitlin. Uh, Early on, when all of that federal assistance started being distributed across the United States, we were finding uh, a little glitch in the system, I guess you could say, uh, wedding barns that were ending up getting millions of dollars in food distribution monies uh, when really that really wasn't their strength. That wasn't their purpose. I talked about that with Stephanie Young-Dorfman. She is the executive director of uh, Feeding Wisconsin, headquartered in Madison, but serving the state of Wisconsin. You know, it's not necessarily in the news as much now as it was, but keep in mind that uh, Feeding Wisconsin's network got two separate grants through the governor's food security initiative, $2.2 million via the COVID-19 Food Security Network support grant and just over $5 million via the COVID-19 Food Security and Wisconsin Products Grant. That's a lot of money, but there's a lot of people depending on it. They're estimating now we've seen demand on food banks across the state 
escalate to over 800,000 people that are facing hunger, and a lot of those are kids. I asked Stephanie to give us an update on exactly how food banks are managing this increased escalated demand for their services. And what about that federal money? Is it finding its way into the right hands? So as we all know, um, the COVID-19 pandemic has produced an economic crisis unlike anything since the Great Depression, or Great um, Recession, I should say. Um, and we're seeing um, elevated need now um, more than at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, as, as we all know, there were um, some great supports that were offered um, through the first few federal relief acts. Um, and some of those, as some of those things start to, um, fade away or have, have ended, such as some, um, increases to SNAP benefits, pandemic EBT to support kids who are out of school, um, as there's some uncertainty around unemployment insurance, um, and other things like that. We're seeing that families, um, are experiencing more need in the way of food than they were, um, this past spring and summer. Um, so our, our food banks and food pantries are seeing an increase um, in large part to the number of households coming through their lines um, and also an increase in the amount of food that those families need to get help get them through um, their their month um, and through the weeks that they are falling short um, with their, their individual budgets. Um, before the pandemic, about 1 in 10 Wisconsinites experienced food insecurity. Um, now it's about 1 in 7 um, of our friends and neighbors here in Wisconsin are struggling with hunger, um, and that includes about one in four children experiencing hunger. Um, that's an increase of about 300,000 individuals that um, are dealing with those extra challenges um, to put food on their tables. So our networks have, um, our pantries and our food banks have flipped operations on its head um, to move more food than we've ever moved before, purchase more food than we've ever moved, had to purchase before because of a lot of constraints and strains in the um, food distribution channels. Um, we know that there are supply chain issues um, from the beginning of the pandemic, and, and still we're um, ex- experiencing some shortages of accessing some shelf-stable product, for instance. Um, and we're also changing our operations to make sure that we are utilizing volunteers, Um, and distributing food in the safest ways we can, um, given the current circumstances. So that means a lot of our pantries are moving to drive-up or walk-up outdoor distributions. Um, And now as we're entering fall and into winter, we're considering how we're going to do that in a safe way, um, whether we can still continue to safely um, uh, distribute food outdoors or if we need to move folks indoors um, in order to create a safe space um, and keep keep people warm while they're trying to access food. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Talk to me a little bit, Stephanie, about the financial support the federal government and even the state has uh, tried to provide for food pantries. You you talked about just the challenge of securing the supply of foods that you need. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the money trail. Early on, there had been some criticism of the federal funds distribution. You guys that are in the food uh, bank business know how to distribute food, but some of that match-up funds early on didn't didn't make a lot of sense for folks. Yeah, so the, the biggest support that has come to the federal government has been the CSAP program, um, which is the Coronavirus Food Assistance Program, or also known as the Farmers to Family Food Boxes. Um, that program um, has uh, 
worked with um, distributors across the country, um, providing contracts to distributors to then get food uh, out to nonprofits for distribution. Um, there are some great successes from that program and also some really great challenges, as you mentioned. Um, it's been a great program to help us source food and cover the cost of food. Um, we're receiving great amounts of uh, proteins and fresh produce through that program, um, especially in the height of the growing season right now. Um, some of the challenges around that has been um, the distribution process. Like you said, our food banks, what they do best is source, distribute, and get food to those who need it. Um, and as this federal program has been working primarily with um, these distributors and other vendors who um, haven't traditionally worked to get food to folks experiencing food insecurity, um, it has created some challenges. Um, originally, the feds wanted this to be what they called a truck-to-trunk model. So the trucks from the distributors would show up at a distribution site um, and uh, the food banks or the nonprofits supporting that, that distribution would make sure that there was outreach and messaging to folks to let them know to show up at that same time and receive food. Um, many of the vendors haven't been on board with that type of process and have instead um, gotten the food to our food banks, um, which has created the extra burden of, of costs and staffing and transportation that it takes for our food banks to get that food that last mile. Um, so from our distribution centers to the communities who need it. What has this meant for our Wisconsin agriculture, our Wisconsin food processors, Stephanie? I mean, I think you're exactly right. Uh, you guys are connected with those folks that work, I guess we'd say, easiest or best with the system that you've got what has this meant for our Wisconsin food processors, Wisconsin agriculture, this uh, federal funding? Yeah, so our, our food banks have some great relationships with uh, producers, processors, commodity associations, and aggregators. Um, and unfortunately, not many of the folks that we have traditionally worked with and have great relationships with have received bids um, from that program or hadn't even applied for um, the Farmers or Family Food box program because of um, the additional constraints and um, and paperwork that it would take to, to navigate that. Um, so it, it's left us um, a bit challenged to uh, be working with some new distributors, some of which are, are not Wisconsin-based, even though we know we have um, this wonderful um, agricultural state that, that does, that has accommodated the needs of our network um, so greatly in the past. Um, and, and through this pandemic, um, I have to say we, we are so thankful for the community that we are in, um, being in such a, a great agricultural state and a great transportation state that we have continued to receive donations and uh, continue to work with these strong partners. But in the way of the fa Farmers to Family Food Boxes, um, we just learned yesterday that one of our our strongest partners in the state didn't receive the third round bid, um, and that's definitely going to leave um, the food bank that was working with that that partner um, in a great hardship, um, as they're not going to be receiving um, the food that um, they had been relying on for months to get out to folks. So let's talk about the challenges that lie ahead, Stephanie. You've obviously painted a picture that 
Uh, the demand on the services from uh, Wisconsin's food banks, food pantries, is not likely to go down. Then we've got the weather-related element that's going to challenge distribution. And then we've got the funding caveat that we don't know exactly what's in the future as far as funding. When you talk to your staff or when you do strategic planning with uh, folks looking at, let's say, January 2021, what are you expecting, planning for, uh, trying to get lined up? Yeah, um, our food banks are innovative organizations. Um, they, like I said, they have strong partnerships with uh, the, in the community, within the agricultural community, um, and are working right now to source new food products um, and and also, um, like I said, refigure our operations to make sure that we can um, weather this through through the winter. Um, we also recently received some CARES Act funds through our Wisconsin um, Department of Ag Trade and Consumer Protection. Um, that's bringing in $5 million to our Feeding Wisconsin network to purchase Wisconsin food products. Um, and then um, an, another um, emergency food organization, Food Bank, Hunger Task Force, received um, $5 million as well in that same, um, that same grant. So... Uh, we're very thankful um, for Governor Evers' food security initiative project that he put together that um, supports not only the purchasing of Wisconsin food product, but also had some funds for infrastructure to help us build um, the the equipment and supplies that we need in order to um, distribute this food. It, that initiative also provided some support in the way of $50 million to farmers directly who need it. Um, so very thankful that our state has set aside some of those CARES Act funds to support both our farmers and um, our, our food security network here um, to move and source food. Well, obviously a story that continues to unfold. Stephanie Young-Dorfman along with us, Executive Director of Feeding Wisconsin, a network of food banks across the state uh, trying to keep up with the strong demand that they're seeing for a little food support, food aid for families across the state. And like she said, uh, some $10 million uh, in direct funding from the state of Wisconsin going to help at least two of those locations continue to shore up their supplies. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Farm Director Pam Yonke. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Dependable, hardworking, an essential part of our everyday life. Farmers, we appreciate you now more than ever. And you deserve an off-road vehicle that's built extra tough to take you way beyond the daily grind. You deserve the Can-Am Defender. The Can-Am Defender is the most capable side-by-side yet. And farmers receive a three-year warranty on all-new 2021 Defender models at Mad City Power Sports. Stop in for a no-contact test drive or visit madcitypowersports.com. Be the light. That's my motto. Hi, I'm Scott, proud employee with EverReady Electric for over 20 years. We want you. Yes, you. We're hiring for journeymen or master electricians. Full-time with a hiring bonus of $1,500. Why? Well, we get that transitioning from one job to another has costs. And we're here to support you in a new comfort zone. Join our team and apply online. Or call and ask for Linda. She'll amp you up. We're EverReady. Interest rates are at all-time lows and home equity is at all-time highs. You know what that means? 
you can save big money by refinancing your mortgage loan. Whether you want to just save a few hundred dollars a month, consolidate some debt, or get money for home improvements, now's the time to call me. Educated Mortgage, the smartest way home. Call Dan, the Mortgage Man. And MLS number 222-652. Who was your hero when you were a kid? Neil Armstrong or Louis Armstrong? Roberto Clemente or Walter Cronkite? Rosa Parks or Sally Ride? You're the right age to do something you can be remembered for. Register to become an organ and tissue donor. Even if you're in your 50s, 60s, 70s, or beyond, any age is the right age to donate the gift of life. Learn how at organdonor.gov or call 1-866-99-DONATE. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Connecting producers and consumers one story at a time. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Young. Let's get to it on a Tuesday morning that's warmer than it will be by Thursday morning. Let's talk about it. It's Tumac Ag Meteorologist joining us. I was throwing the ball for the Shelties babies yesterday and see that we picked up just a little under a half inch of rain in my backyard on the west side of Madison. Hopefully most of that rain's behind us now, huh? For the most part, it's behind in Madison now, La Crosse, Mauston, and over toward eastern Wisconsin, a little different scene there. A few sprinkles around, Pam, nothing to be a big deal this morning. A sprinkle up near uh, north of Wausau, near Merrill, that's not a big deal. Some light rain in northern Minnesota. There's this little weak system going to try to slide from northern Minnesota right over to Lake Superior today. Could cause a few sprinkles. Like I say, La Crosse, Mauston, even over to Oshkosh and Fond du Lac. There's going to be another system that stays a bit further north with a little more rain chance around Wednesday. When that one passes through Wednesday, that's when that cold air really builds in. And that's when those temps you talked about drop for the end of the week. I'll have the forecast after this. Are you paying too much for health insurance? Rural Mutual Insurance can help you find the best options for individual, group, vision, dental, and Medicare. Call your local Rural Mutual agent to see how you can save. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. A history of success means proven performance. But let's call performance what it is. Profitability. And boosting yours, no matter what the season brings, is the goal of DeKalb Brand Corn. Backed by exclusive genetics, whole farm solutions, and unmatched dealer support. Let nothing shake your perseverance. Ask your dealer how DeKalb Brand Corn can help you realize a future of performance. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Sounds like I'm going to see my breath, what, by tomorrow morning? Thursday for sure. Thursday morning, absolutely. Uh, today, though, some sunshine, a few clouds in central and northern Wisconsin. That's where there may be some sprinkles. Low and mid-60s, though, not too bad. South winds 8 to 18, gusting up to 30, becoming west in the afternoon. Clearing out somewhat overnight, we drop to the low 40s. The west winds become south about 5. And then mostly cloudy, breezy Wednesday. Those showers to the north could be a couple of tenths of an inch from western over toward east-central Wisconsin. Still in the mid-60s, south winds breezing up they're 5 to 15, around 30. They become west and northwest into Thursday, and we cool it down. Low 50s for highs on Thursday. Low 50s or even an upper 40 Friday, Pam. And, yeah, those nighttime lows down in the low 30s as we make our way to Thursday night and Friday night especially. So should I take the plants in tonight? 
Tonight you're okay yet. I'd wait until uh, Wednesday night or certainly Thursday night. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That sounds for sure. All right, my man. We'll catch up with you tomorrow. Thanks. You bet. Take care. Stumach, our ag meteorologist, giving you the weather update that you're looking for on a Thursday morning. Now, listen, if you want to catch uh, the latest news, pop on over to MidwestFarmReport.com. I've got a story up about 25 dairy farms in Greene County that are suddenly going to be looking for a new place to market their milk. You can see all the details right now at MidwestFarmReport.com. And don't forget, social media, always looking for you. Fabulous Farm Babe on Facebook. Fab Farm Babe on Twitter is where you'll find me. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Why was the basketball court all wet? Because the players kept dribbling on it. The dad joke. <laughs> Corny, groan-worthy, but also one of the simplest ways to share a moment with your kids. What did the buffalo say when he dropped his son off for school? Bye, son. <laughs> so take a moment to make your kid laugh because dad jokes rule. Make your kid laugh today. Go to fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Shopping for that special someone can be hard. You want to make sure that gift is perfect. Jewelry is always a great go-to because it lasts forever. Place to go? Goodman's Jewelers. They have the best prices, something for every budget. They have incredible quality jewelry, one-of-a-kind pieces, diamonds, engagement rings, traditional and modern styles, and you can customize your own. Something for a Badger Packer fan? Goodman's Jewelers has it. A true icon in Madison, the city's oldest full-service jewelry store, is your family. Goodman's Jewelers. ADHD. It's the child who can't pay attention or sit still in school, right? The answer may be yes. Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, or ADHD, can be complicated and it can last a lifetime. Living with a condition can sometimes be a challenge. It may take years to accept a formal diagnosis, and it's not always easy to find the right treatment plan. Did you know that up to 75% of children and adolescents with ADHD have at least one additional mental health condition that also requires a comprehensive approach to treatment? ADHD guidelines were recently updated to reflect the need to screen for associated disorders. Be sure to talk with your child's doctor about proper screening and visit moretoadhd.com for additional information. That's moretoadhd.com. This message has been brought to you in partnership with ADA, ACO, and CHAD. Most people look at roofing as a necessary evil instead of really looking at it as a priority that's going to take care of them for as long as they live. Some people have shingles blow off their roof. Ice dams are a big issue. Their shingles start to curl and disintegrate. I'm Mike. And Mary Sweeta. Enjoy the long-lasting architectural strength and beauty of a Sweeta metal roof. S-W-I-T-A metalroofing.com. Right about now, you're probably saying, Lazy Boy, they just have recliners. It's okay. Everybody says that at first. Well, don't let this get around. Lazy Boy has more than recliners. Hmm, I don't know if I should say this out loud. Lazy Boy has more than recliners. But it's as if there's an inner voice telling me that I should share this important information with you. Yes, that's 
That's me. Lazy Boy just isn't recliners. Well, against my better judgment. Are you kidding me right now? Lazy Boy has more than recliners. Finally. Dining room, bedroom, entertainment centers, tons of accessories. And when you shop at Lazy Boy, professional interior design is free. Oh, did I say that out loud? Totally. Redo one room or redo the whole home. You can get it all at Lazy Boy. Like I always say, Lazy Boy has more than just recliners. Lazy decorators love Lazy Boy home furnishings and decor. Madison, East Springs Drive near East Town Mall. We've all had plenty of time to take a look at our surroundings and think about ways to improve it. McFarland's is there to help. I'm Pam Yankee for McFarland's, 780 Carolina Street in the heart of Sauk City. Online, McFarland's.net. Don't forget about the rental department at McFarland's. Whether you're looking to finish up sanding floors or thinking about knocking down brush in the backyard, their rental service can help you out. Save time and text them at 608-643-3321 and they'll have your item ready for curbside pickup. McFarland. Say, have you heard of the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation? Yes, it's a grassroots organization of people just like you that care about keeping agriculture strong. By joining Farm Bureau, you also qualify for a number of money-saving member benefits on equipment, autos, travel, and insurance. Get more details at WFBF.com. A voice for farmers, vision for agriculture, Wisconsin Farm Bureau. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. If you're interested in a rewarding career with a strong Wisconsin company, Rural Mutual Insurance is looking to add to their growing team of successful employees and agents. Apply online today at RuralMutual.com slash careers. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. And then you look at the rest of the South and you and you go... Yeah, the Saints, they got some pieces, but they haven't looked great. Oh, by the way, did you hear what happened with Michael Thomas and the Saints? Yes, I did. Just another just another hit to the fantasy team. They called him, um, Michael Thomas was called... Slant Boy? Slant Boy. And that's what got him pissed that's off. That's what pissed him off. So, Malcolm Jenkins referred to Michael Thomas as, and I quote, Slant Boy during practice over the weekend and then Michael Thomas got mad and got into a fight with a different player. He yelled at a little bit at Jenkins, but then got into a fight with an, or an altercation with a different player, and now Michael Thomas is now facing team disciplinary and sitting him out tonight so, for Monday Night Football. So Malcolm Jenkins is one of more of the captains of the the defense on that football team, you know, obviously Drew Brees was the captain of the offense, yeah. kind of the, the face of the franchise. What do you think Drew Brees is doing when Malcolm Jenkins and Michael Thomas are going at it? The two guys that called him out yeah, didn't before Malcolm the Jenkins called Drew Brees out too? Malcolm Jenkins and Michael Thomas did. Yeah, Malcolm Jenkins and, and Michael Thomas both called Drew Brees out for saying that he'd stand for the national anthem. Because his two grandfathers fought yeah. in World War II. Now these two guys that, then, that came together to fight Drew Brees about nothing are now, now fighting, fighting each other. about being called slant boy about nothing what clowns and then michael thomas punched chauncey gardner johnson during the fight in practice not malcolm jenkson jenkins but uh chauncey gardner johnson he punched him uh in practice if i was drew Brees, i'd just shake my head and go god i play with a bunch of idiots it's i don't know how you get so worked up over being called slant boy here's the thing 
Michael Thomas should know that Michael Thomas is one of the best wide receivers in the game. That's not a secret. Why would you care if someone calls you slant boy? Drew Brees said You're literally going to burn him the next play in, in practice. Drew Brees, who said he'd stand for the national anthem, sat there and took, took it all. He took everyone, not everyone, but people dragging him on social media and his own teammates dragging him on social media and to the press. And Drew Brees essentially tried to be the nice guy to you know, bridge the relationships. Never should have apologized. And now you have Michael Thomas and Malcolm Jenkins, the two guys that were going after Drew Brees on the same team, now going after each other with Michael Thomas then punching someone else involved in the altercation over being called, and I quote, slant boy. And this is about his route running. Why that, why that gets into Michael Thomas's head is beyond me. The Saints are not a threat to the Green Bay Packers. And, and here's the other thing. Could you, I can just hear it now. You got Malcolm uh, Jenkins and some, whoever the other guy else was calling him Slant Boy and Michael Thomas, hey, don't call me Slant Boy. Yeah. I'm the best receiver in the NFL. And then he goes and punches someone else. Insane. Let's go to the phones quick. Welcome to the show. Who do I got? Hey, fellas. Mitch and Madison. Hey, Mitch. What's up, dude? Dude, it's it's the whole new school athlete versus the old school athlete with the whole slant boy thing because Michael Thomas, he's been ripped on social media for years about, oh, he's the best receiver in the game, but he can only run a slant. Uh, an old school athlete would be like, well, stop me then. Or, well, yeah. like you guys are doing, you know, you, they wouldn't let that bother him. All these new school athletes, like, like Kevin Durant makes a burner account to say good stuff about himself on Twitter, and and you guys were talking about the NBA and how much playoffs that did you watch? I watched total in the finals, probably about a half, but I watched. I wanted to see what LeBron would say at the end. You know, once the you know the post. Oh, it was he had his, he had the script well, all written out. Well, and he's like, I want my damn respect. It's like. That, again, you guys get so, the new school athletes, they're so butthurt about what Tweedledee says on Twitter about them. Like, the old school guys, man, they don't care. No, and uh, I, I, I want my respect for, okay, for what? Winning a basketball right. game? Congrats, I well, guess? I don't know. Right, but, I mean, who even gives a crap what, what is being said on there and just the – they're just so whiny. And like you said, uh, Nelson, it's like uh, Drew Brees is what you would call an adult, and he just cares about winning the games, and he has his certain beliefs, and then he gets chastised for him earlier by these two idiots that get into a like, fight at practice when they're trying to do better, you know, bigger things like win a Super Bowl, and now Michael Thomas is out because he got he, called slant like, boy. Connecting producers and consumers one story at a time. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Cloudy skies today, 65 are expected high. Tomorrow, cloudy and 69. And then look out for Thursday. Cloudy skies and not much better than 49 degrees as our daytime high. John Heinberg, Market Advisor with Total Farm Marketing by Stuart Peterson, is going to break down last week's World Ag Supply Demand Report and tell us what the market's discussing today. He's joining us live in just a little bit. I'm Pam Yankee. Now, from the Landmark Services Cooperative Agri-News Desk, here's what's happening on a Tuesday. Can you believe it? It's been a year since the Dairy Innovation Hub came to reality. 
That's thanks in large part to the $7.8 million in state funding that supports this dairy effort. Remember, Dairy Innovation Hub is not about more milk. It's about finding better markets for the milk we currently produce. That's the information that they want to share with elected officials and the general public when it comes to continuing support for the Dairy Innovation Hub. Maria Walt is the program manager for the Dairy Innovation Hub, and she says they recognize that in light of COVID-19, everybody may have a little different perspective on programs that should or should not be funded. That's why yesterday they issued their first annual report and are planning a dairy summit for the general public on November 18th. She said one of the subtle things that the Dairy Innovation Hub has been able to point out is that it brings together educators, researchers, collaborators from UW-River Falls, Platteville, and Madison to talk about the projects they're working on. And although that seems simple at the surface, she said in reality, it's a breakthrough. Each of the three campuses has become so much more aware of what one another is doing. Now, to someone outside of a university, you might think, well, gosh, it's obvious that, you know, Madison knows what Platteville is doing. Um, but that's not always the case. And it's, you know, it's not a criticism. It's just that's not always the way that universities work. But that's really changing in the dairy space because of all these projects that are going on, all these meetings, all these conversations. There is so much idea sharing and expertise sharing that is going on because of the hub. And it's what's so it is so crazy to be involved in this and so exciting for me. I'm also a dairy farmer, too. So um, you're seeing people from completely outside of dairy that are submitting proposals like, hey, I'm an electrical engineer. You know, I don't really have a ton of experience in dairy, but my work can be applied to dairy. And um, so you're seeing cool stuff like that happen across all three campuses. Maria Walt, she's the program manager for the Dairy Innovation Hub. And as she pointed out, not only can you read the annual report online, you can prepare for their first annual Dairy Summit. It's going to be November 18th, and obviously it's going to be in a virtual format, which will allow anybody in the state of Wisconsin or elsewhere that wants to lean in and find out about all these projects to join up. Find more details on our website now, MidwestFarmReport.com. Talking also about uh, a development overnight, Maple Leaf Cheese Cooperative has announced that there's going to be 25 dairy farms in Greene County that are going to have to look for a new home for their milk. The Maple Leaf Cheese Cooperative got notification by Maple Leaf Cheesemakers, their long-term partner, that they're not going to make cheese at the cooperative-owned facility in Monroe anymore starting in November. According to Bob Bade, who's a treasurer and a dairy farmer owner, he said the board is disappointed with a short notice, but they view the situation as an opportunity. He says they're committed to working diligently to find a new partner to make sure their farmer owners and other suppliers have a place to sell their milk. They are looking for future cheesemaking partners that are committed to farmers and doing business in the cheese-famous Green County. So 25 dairy farmers own the cooperative and the cheese plant. The cooperative has been in business since 1910. They've worked with the cheesemakers under a contract with the cooperative since 1982. That's a story I'll be following up on coming your way later today. Let's talk a little bit about your personal protection. 
I'm not talking about the mask or anything like that. I'm talking about the valuable personal information that you've got on the Internet, on your devices. And now, listen, farms, you need to pay attention as well. Think about all the data, all the information that you are generating right now with that yield monitor, with all the digitized uh, maps that you've got of the farm, all of that. Are you protecting it? Well, you say, well, sure, I've got a good, strong password. Well, Sean Voskel with AARP says you've got to go beyond a strong password to protect yourself these days. He says new technology makes our lives easier and more enjoyable, but it also makes you a whole lot more vulnerable to online scammers. When we think about protecting ourselves from cybercrime, we often stop at password protection and antivirus software. But in today's day and age, being cyber safe extends beyond our computers and phones, televisions, video games, Hand-free devices, doorbells, refrigerators, and more can all be connected to the internet. Add to that, any device that helps you monitor your farm, compile farm data, and even internet-connected farm equipment. All of these are ways that scammers can gain access to your personal data. Sean Voskel with AARP says 92% of the personal information breaches that they witness come from what they call phishing emails. That is basically an email address or an email that looks like it's coming from a trusted source, but could actually be fraud. Simple things like an I that's not dotted in the return email address could be a clue. It's cost $145 million to Americans because of fraud-related COVID-19 scams. And you know, we're doing more and more things online because of COVID-19, and the scammers are having a field day. It is National Cybersecurity Awareness Week, and the Wisconsin Department of Ag, Trade, and Consumer Protection has a couple other tips that you might want to uh, put in play when it comes to protecting your personal information and your farm data. Just pop on over to our website, MidwestFarmReport.com, and you'll be able to see those tips right there. Well, we'll look for some tips on what's happening in the markets. John Heinberg, Market Advisor, Total Farm Marketing by Stuart Peterson, catching up with us in just a moment. Yesterday in Chicago, barrel cheese gained five and a half cents to two eleven on one trade. Forty pound block cheese was up four and a half cents at two sixty nine and a quarter, but no trades. Double A butter was up quarter of a cent at one forty one and a half per pound. Six trades there, and again, let's bear in mind that barrel and block cheese price is absolutely incredible, but. As we had Dr. Mark Stevenson point out yesterday, a lot of that momentum is based on that farm-to-families food box program that has an awful lot of dairy in it and still being invested in today. Right now, an overnight activity, December corn is up two cents at three ninety-one. November soybeans up seven at ten forty-one. The July wheat is up two at five ninety-six, and that's after they had a, a rock and roll tough Monday. The November milk is currently 13 cents higher at 2061 100 weight. December up two at 1817 100 weight. 21 days in front of the election, and a lot of our farm organizations and agribusiness groups are endorsing candidates. Six of our Wisconsin federal lawmakers have received the Friend of Farm Bureau Award. That's presented every two years from the American Farm Bureau Federation with nomination and approval from the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Board of Directors. This year's recipients of the Friend of Farm Bureau Award are Senators Ron Johnson and Tammy Baldwin, along with Representatives Ron Kind, Mike Gallagher, Glenn Grothman, and Brian Stile. 
The Dairy Business Association has also endorsed a slate of candidates, including some Madison-area legislative candidates. They're endorsing Representative Melissa Sargent from Madison as she works to replace retiring Senator Mark Miller from Monona. Dairy Business Association issued endorsements for candidates across the state of Wisconsin, and we've got them all up right now at MidwestFarmReport.com. Up next, John Heinberg joining us, market advisor with Total Farm Marketing by Stuart Peterson. So we got the World Ag Supply Demand Report out on Friday. Had uh, quite a little bit of a sell-off yesterday for corn, beans, and wheat. Was it profit-taking? Was it the fact that the federal government wasn't issuing any reports because it was Columbus Day? What was going on there? Well, we're turning to John next to find out the answers. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Here's a pop quiz for corn growers. Of the top three seed corn brands in the central corn belt, only one is 100% focused on seed corn, U.S. farm family owned, and got there without the help of a parent company. Any guesses? That's right, Wiffles Hybrids, officially making them the grown-up in the field. Wiffles Hybrids, one thing done right. If you came across a child struggling with hunger, how would you recognize them? By their clothes? Their age? The way they speak? Would you recognize a 13-year-old boy who gets into fights at school? Not because he's a boy, but because he's hungry. Or a two-year-old girl who cries all night? Not because she's sick, but because she went to bed without enough to eat. Or maybe a nine-year-old boy who hopes a friend invites him to a sleepover? Not for fun. Just so we can have dinner. Or a 15-year-old girl who goes for walks over lunch. So her friends won't know she doesn't have anything to eat? I am the one in seven American children who struggle with hunger. Kids you pass by every day but never knew were hungry. I am child hunger in America. Hunger can be hard to recognize. Learn why at IamHungerInAmerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America, 200 Food Bank Strong. A trusting family gives its members the support they need to make it through life. You could say the same about Compel Consulting. They're your most trusted provider of computer services, combining personalized service with affordable solutions for business owners right here in Madison. And they respond to their customers' computer problems within 60 minutes or less. Schedule a free technology assessment with Compel today and be more productive tomorrow. Visit CompelNetworks.com. Compel Consulting, professional IT solutions, just like having family in the IT biz. Farm goddess, agricultural princess, queen of all that moves. Nah, let's stick with farm babe. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Stick with me and I'll get you behind the scenes on what happens in the marketplace. And helping me do just that is John Heinberg, market advisor. Total Farm Marketing by Stuart Peterson joining us live this this Tuesday morning. So I got to start with what happened with corn, beans, and wheat on Monday, John. I mean, we got through the World Ag Supply Demand Report on Friday, didn't, didn't give up too much skin there, and then all of a sudden the wheels come off yesterday. What was going on? 
Well, it's a combination of things yesterday. First off, obviously, with the federal holiday yesterday, the USDA news was not in the marketplace. And we always kind of say you need news to feed a bull market. And so I think that was part of the, uh, the situation. We didn't see any export sale announcements. We didn't get to see crop progress yesterday afternoon, as, as well as uh, the export inspections numbers that come out mid-morning yesterday. And that kind of had the market uh, just waiting for an opportunity to take some profit out. Now, also, too, with the holiday, we got thinner trade over. Overall. And when you had a market like beans, which was overextended as much as it has been, and, and when you start getting things to roll over, all you get is you stop, start firing, and it get, turns into a bit of a waterfall effect. Now, today will be the key. We need to see what happens. So far, we're up a few cents this morning. Not not a real big move after being down 30 uh, to be back at nickel. But uh, So we'll see how things come into play. Do we get those export sales announcements again this morning? We, th- we heard that China was active in the market for both corn and beans again on Friday. Those sales would come out probably on today's list. Well, then we'll wait on the data. Uh, you know, from, uh, from okay. So let's say we get information out today, John. What's going to be the next driving factor? I mean, this World Ag Supply Demand Report was kind of it for a while, isn't it? Uh, yeah, basically, you know, and, and and the other thing going on too, we had a big weekend for harvest, and that also came into the marketplace, especially in the bean market. It was gorgeous weather; guys were pushing hard. So, you know, we're going to continue to see watch watch those harvest reports and see what's coming in there, and then we'll be focusing on the November numbers and and again watching how are we doing with these uh, bushels that are on the books? Are we getting them packed up and get them on the boats and get them overseas? And that's going to be a big factor going forward. You know, we come back into that report. The bean market actually saw a report that. Like went under 300 million bushels down to 290 million bushels of carryover. We haven't been that tight since t- June of 2016. Now, maybe we're a little bit fairly priced uh, here with the push that we had on Friday. And that's another reason maybe we got a bit of a profit-taking window. But, boy, if that, that supply pile keeps getting tighter as we move forward into the next year, uh, there's still some upside potential in this market when we start talking those types of numbers. So it, it's going to keep some support under the market overall. I want to come back to that because I saw another statistic yesterday that said they're estimating that far- most farmers have already got a majority of their crops sold at lower prices. So remind me, if you think about it, John, we'll come back to the tools that can still help you pick up the up, if you will. Let's go to dairy. You said November and it automatically triggered in my head what in the blazes was going on yesterday with fluid milk contracts specifically for November. Well, basically, it was a little bit of a catch-up. You know, we've been seeing this cheese market can stay very firm now, realistically, since about the middle or the last third of September around this 250 to 270 window on the block price that so we had that big gap between blocks and barrels and everybody was kind of wondering what was going to happen with that spread and it wound up being the barrel price continues to climb into that spread so that just shows some strength in the cheese market overall so you know with october pushing where it has been up to 21 dollars yesterday and november needed to kind of fill the gap and uh, so we saw that limit up move in november milk and still be nice to finally get that to carry out into the next few months but i still think it's going to be a month-by-month basis depending on the cheese demand you know plus again we're still seeing solid demand on the fluid milk side probably still not where it needs to be but there is more with uh, the more food service trade and things of that nature just keeping some optimism in that market overall so as long as those cheese prices continue to hold uh the milk price is going to need to move up into that into that window created by the front month yeah but yeah but we still are under the major influence of uncle sam i the reason i bring it up john is today they sign begin sign up again from dairy margin coverage program and you know you can get 
lulled into a false sense of security when you look at some of these numbers out there. And I just worry one morning I'm going to have to report the ugliness that could happen. You know, there's a lot of volatility that's going to be going on over the next handful of months here, just on the outside outside issues, obviously with the election and the results that could come out of there. Who knows what policies change, what how things all twist here in the next, uh, basically now till January. So using defensive tools just to make sure that floor is in place is a key. And those types of programs are you know, fairly cost effective. Uh, as I've said before, I'd rather be wrong with a floor underneath the market and the market going higher than be wrong and launch the market tumble. All right. So let's go back to those tools. I, I said that there, there was a number out yesterday that said they believe a majority of farmers have already sold a good share of their, uh, namely soybeans, but all crops at lower prices than what we've got right now. Is there a tool? Is there any mechanism out there? If I'm sitting on a semi-load of beans or what have you that I haven't already, uh, you know, sold out. Is there is there a way to compensate to gain back some of that uh, difference between what I sold at before and what's on the market now? There's a couple different tools that we use out there focusing on that bean market because realistically of the of the grains, that one has the one that's got the most upside potential longer term in it. You can use some call spreads or call strategies uh, basically out into the summer months. You, you talk about that heavy sell pace that we've seen here from the U.S. farmer. Nothing moves the market more than when the farmer gives up their ownership. So when we get back into June, July, and August and get through this export window, all of a sudden the soybean meal crushers in the United States might be going, hey, where's our beans? And we're going to be like, we moved them. They're gone. Uh, so that we could see some pop again in the summertime. So we want to look at some call spread strategies, get them out into July and August, uh, try to keep things as cheap as possible. But at the same time, you know, we've been kind of saying sell the fact what we got right now for price buy the potential longer term that is out there. Last time we had 290 in terms of million bushels of carryout. Again, like I said, it was June of 2016. Beans did run to the $12 window that summer. Not saying that's going to happen this year. Year, but you want to at least be prepared for it in case it does. John Heinberg's along with us, market advisor, Total Farm Marketing by Stuart Peterson. I want to remind you their website, totalfarmmarketing.com or the toll free number 800 334 9779. 800 334 9779. What are you expecting out of the crop update today? In terms of the reports today, again, going to watch, see what's happening in terms of those export sales. And I expect the harvest pace to be really clicking. Beans will probably push in the upper 60s to 70%. That was as of Sunday. So we've obviously got a little bit more done. Maybe not in Wisconsin with the rain yesterday, but across the country in general. And uh, so if we start working through that harvest pace, then we'll see what that cash market wants to start doing. If these beans are still there, still hear a lot of demand from end users looking for beans right now to get them on boats and get them down to the, get them down to the Gulf. Hurricane District any of that? Didn't so much. It stayed more on the southern side. That was probably more of a factor in the cotton market and markets like that, where obviously we saw some potential crop damage come into play. Uh, basically, when that, that, that rain stayed to the south and the east, it just allowed the producers to just keep right on grinding through the western part of the Corn Belt, especially. Uh, got a lot, of, a lot of crop off, and uh, this year's crop compared to last year in terms of harvest has been a real nice pace, if not even a push. John Heinberg, Market Advisor, Total Farm Marketing by Stuart Peterson, joining us live on a Tuesday morning. Remember, TotalFarmMarketing.com or his toll-free number if you want a little advice on how you can uh, make sure that you're protecting yourself and getting the up, 800-334-9779. Enjoy your Tuesday. 